So this is, uh, this is my family. We live in um, Columbus, Georgia, which is about an hour and a half away from the Atlanta airport. And um, we, I, I've lived here since 2013. I'm originally from the Atlanta area and uh, moved away uh, from that area in about 2009. And so my family lives um, here in, in uh, this uh, part of the city of Columbus, Georgia. Our home is to, uh, to the right side of the, the picture. That's our house. And um, a lot of the houses you see behind us are abandoned property. Um, one of the interesting things that God has done in our lives is um, about four or five years ago, we had been doing a lot of street outreach and evangelism in our city, going out with volunteers from a lot of different churches and, and ministries. And um, we ended up uh, we ended up getting a vision from the Lord that uh, we would not only you know go into these areas uh, and share the gospel, um, but but eventually our, our vision was to go into these inner city communities and actually get homes and repurpose those homes and find uh, families that love Jesus that would want to actually move into those areas and uh, really minister into those communities. And so we ended up getting our first house was donated four years ago. Um, we, we had had this vision and this idea, and I, I share it with uh, the board of directors of our ministry. I said, hey, you know, we have an idea that we would go into these communities and, and bring the gospel. And they're, they're like, oh, that's great. And uh, we were thinking it'd be in five or 10 years. But a couple months later, uh, the Lord spoke to us and, and told us to take a leap of faith financially and to give some money to another ministry. And we obeyed the Lord. And on a Monday, we, we mailed the check. And on Friday, a total stranger came in uh, and had a donation for the exact same amount we had mailed on Monday. And before the other check had been processed in the bank, we had the exact same amount in our bank to pay for that. And uh, it, was, it was our operating budget for the whole month. So it was a, it was a sizable gift for, for, our, um, uh, for our ministry at that time. And um, so I, I was really excited and I, I decided, I said, hey, you know, I'd love to, um, I'd love to meet this guy because if someone I don't know gives that much money to our ministry, I, I think I need to meet him. So I wrote a letter to the PO box on his check and end up having uh, this meeting with this, uh, this guy. I had no idea who he was. And in our first meeting, he asked me, you know, Hey, tell me some, some vision or some ideas that you have. And I told him the idea that I had about these, these uh, homes all over our city uh, that God had shown me. And he said, Hey, I just bought a house yesterday. He's like, I'm in real estate. I flip homes. He's like, I got one yesterday. I'll donate that house to you if you want it. And I was like, excuse me. And he's like, yeah, I'll give it to you. And I was like, I, I, okay. And I didn't believe him. So I left that meeting and, and didn't meet with him for another month. And I'm sure many of you have been in ministry for a long time or been around ministry. And a lot of people will say a lot of things to you that never happened. And I, I hate to say that, but I had had a lot of experiences where people said they were going to do something and they disappeared. So I, I was like, that's probably never going to happen. And a month later, I meet back up with him and he says, hey, weren't you interested in that house? And I was like, yeah. And so he took me to it and we go over there and, and the house is basically falling in on itself. And there's like plants growing inside of the house and it's in a really, really rough neighborhood. And uh, and I'm just thinking to myself, this is perfect. Like, this is just what we want. And so 
he ends up donating the house to us and God supernaturally uh, makes a way for us to do all of the renovations. We fully were able to, to redo the house. And um, in, in the process, we were praying, God, you know, send a couple that would live here and, and all that stuff. And, and in the process of praying, uh, I get another phone call and uh, this other woman found out about what we were doing. And she says, hey, I, I own a lot of properties around town. And uh, she said, I heard about what you're doing and I want to give you some property. And I was like, okay, what do you mean? And she said, I have about 30 homes that I'd like to give you. And I said, excuse me? And she said, I have uh, 28 to 30 homes. They're all in these kind of rough neighborhoods. Is that okay with you? And I was like, I don't care where they are. Like I, you know, I had, there's some specific areas that we want to target in our city to really go and minister. And she said, okay. And so I sent her a list of all the areas we wanted to be in, in our city and uh, she ends up responding, and um, a lot of the houses were conveniently on uh, in those areas that, that we wanted to target. And so she ends up donating those houses, and my wife, we start going around, we're looking at all of these houses, and, and um, uh, my wife just looks at me, she's like, what do you think about moving in one of these? And I was like, I was like wow, I was like, yeah, I, I feel like we should do that. And so we ended up moving into the first house that we renovated, and then over the past few years, we have begun to um, renovate those houses and move them in. And what's exciting is we have another group of missionaries moving into another house. Uh, this week, uh, two young African-American females, one of them grew up in a really rough situation, got radically saved. And uh, her and her friend are actually moving into a community um, full of women that are kind of in similar situations where they had been. And they're going to be going in as missionaries into an, an urban Hispanic and black community as missionaries to reach that community, which is a similar place to where they grew up. And so we're seeing a missionary movement in America. And I know people are watching here from different parts of the States and even around the world. And I really think that one of the things that God is doing is he's birthing incarnational ministry around the world that we, we don't just see mission trips as our opportunity and, and just going off into foreign lands as our opportunity to be missionaries, but we really begin to see even where we live and where, where we are every day in and day out as our mission field. And I know this is already a concept, and I know many people already you know, see this vision, but I believe that this is, this is a vision, this is something that already has been happening in the body of Christ, and this is something that is going to increase and grow that God is going to raise up uh, an, an incredible new wave of, of missionaries that want to really love their cities and love love their neighbors and and uh, you know one of the interesting things that's happened with our family is over uh, the last three years God has really allowed us to build connections with our neighbors and and bring the gospel and and baptize people and we've seen some incredible things uh, but one of the hardest things that's happened is we we ended up getting a call. The cops were in our neighborhood. I'm out of town. My wife's staying uh, at our at, at uh, my parents' house, and I get a call. I'm in the middle of this meeting, and uh, my neighbors kept calling me over and over and over again. I knew emergency was happening, and the cops had showed up, and they were taking away a child from uh, one of the families in my neighborhood. And they said, "Well, the cops are wondering, will you take this child?" And I said, I don't know, I'm not at home. And you would definitely have to talk to my wife. Like, I, I'm not the one to make that decision. And so uh, I call Ellen. I said, this is the situation. Can you call them? And so sure enough, she goes over and gets the child. And the defects lady says, yeah, they'll get their kid back in 48 hours. Don't worry about it. 
you know? Um, so we bring in this child and the child goes absolutely hysterical, you know, just loses it and uh, is, is detached from her parents, has no idea, never met us before, you know, just the trauma of being taken away from your family. And, and basically if she left the side of my wife, she would just lose it. And um, it was, it was one of the hardest 48 hours we had ever had, you know, just bringing this child into our home and we go to court and uh, basically they're like, yeah, these parents aren't going to get their kid back for a while. Um, what do you want us to do? We can put her in a foster, uh, a foster system or you guys can keep her. And my wife and I were like, we'll keep her. And so we, we've continued to foster this child from our neighborhood. And now it's been, uh, it'll be a year in July that we've had a child. We agreed to 48 hours. It's almost been a year. But here, here's the reason why I'm sharing that is I think that there's a um, there's an idea of evangelism. When people think of evangelism, a lot of people think of different things. And there's an idea of, you know, a, a track, you know, and putting tracks on people's cars or passing them out on the street corner or um, preaching with a, a megaphone or, you know, uh, asking people thought provoking questions out on the streets. And I think all those things are amazing. And, and, and I think of that too, street evangelism. I'm all about street evangelism and bringing the gospel. But I also think there's a, there's a witness in good news that we bring by actually giving of ourselves. There's the evangelism where it's literally, it's I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ that's living within me. And I'm going to literally lay down my life for a community in a way that it literally hurts me, in a way that it even hurts my family, in a way that it costs my marriage and my other kids, you know, maybe miss out on some things that they could have had. But you know what I'm saying? But, but beginning to say yes to the hard things. And the first three months of having that foster baby was literally probably the, the hardest three months of my entire life and the hardest three months indefinitely for my marriage. And I, Jonathan and I have talked extensively kind of about this because I've, I've poured out my heart to him when I've seen him. This is what I'm going through. And, you know, why, why do I have to go through this? And one of the things the Lord showed me in that first three months as I was just honestly just dying to my flesh as he showed me this, you know, he said, he said, Andrew, he said, the most glamorous parts of ministry, the parts that everyone sees, the flashy fun things. He said, those are the things that bear the least amount of fruit. And he said, you know, the things that bear the most fruit are the painful, the excruciating behind the scenes, the things where you get your hands and your knees dirty and no one's applauding. No one's giving you a Facebook like. No one's showing up to an event and paying you $35. You know, it's just none of that. Like, it's where literally no one's watching. But in, in, in the secret place of just where my eyes are watching, you're offering your life as a living sacrifice, bringing the gospel by laying yourself down. That, those are the things that bear the most fruit. And he, he, he convicted me and changed my whole mindset of ministry. He flipped it on his head. Because as, as an evangelist, I, I went through Reinhard Bonnke's School of Evangelism uh, several, uh, 2016, before he passed away. It was the last school we ever did. There was about 100 evangelists from around the world. We gathered together. He, he you know, laid hands on me. It, it was powerful, right? And I look at Bonnke. I go, I go to his, you know, his, uh, his office. I think of evangelists, right? I think of these huge crusades, right? So that's what I'm picturing for my life. And the Lord's like, no, I actually just want to teach you to lay down your life for a little girl that you don't even know. 
and I'm gonna make it to where it's not even easy. It's gonna be really hard, and you're not even gonna really like her most of the time. You're, you know what I'm saying? Like she's hard to she's she's hard to deal with. There's gonna be there's gonna be issues. There's gonna be inconveniences, and I want to see can I trust you to steward that before maybe I give you a stadium? You know, and I think as evangelists and as ministers and even as intercessors, sometimes we think of man, I can't wait until the big revival or the big gathering or the big stadium or the whatever the big flashy thing is that we fantasize about. And the Lord is just really wondering, will we steward the painful, the little, the, the hidden? And I think as intercessors and as evangelists and as, as disciples of Jesus, I think one of the things that, that God is showing me is that the, the most fruitful things are the things that are typically the most hidden the most unapplauded and sometimes even the most painful. And this is, this is definitely not a message that you hear, you know, if you turn on your TV and you're listening to a Sunday morning sermon, you know, this is not the type of sermon you hear on TV in. But I also, but I do believe that this is the heart of the gospel. I believe that this is biblical, what I'm sharing, that, that God wants us to lay down our lives. And here, here's what I want to share is I think that this call for incarnational ministry I think that this call to lay down our lives and bring the gospel in word and in deed and, uh, and to really pour in our lives, I think that this is, a, this is a call for everyone, no matter what gifting you have or whether you're a leader or not, I think we can all live this out. And what I want to do is just bring up the story of John 4, the woman at the well. There's two things, and this is, this is, this is kind of my, one of the baselines for my whole life. Is, is just this simple, this simple concept out of John 4. There's two things Jesus does. He, he alludes to a living water that the woman could partake of. And this living water would lead her to eternal life or give her eternal life. And she says, I want that water. And the water represents the, the relationship with him. Like that in, in communion with Christ, in covenant with Christ, we're restored to access that living water of covenantal communion where that living water it feeds us it fuels us and that represents covenantal relationship with god we were created for covenant with god for intimacy we were created for prayer for worship amen we were created for these things and we need that living water and through the blood of jesus and the torn veil of jesus he opened up the veil through his flesh and now we can enter into the most holy place the book of hebrews says and we can access his presence and, that, and one of the pictures that's used for his presence is living water. And that living water represents what we were made for, which is communion with God. But we were not created only for communion with God. We were not created for just communion. We were created also for kingdom purpose and assignment. Let's, let's think about the Garden of Eden. The Bible says that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. They spent time in the presence of Almighty. They, 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 were, they were there with God. They were, they were with him. And they were satisfied by the living water day in and day out because they had communion with God, right? At the fall of man, they were cast out of God's presence and the living water was revoked from them. They were no longer given access to that living water. So when Jesus says, I give you the living water, he's saying, you can get what you were made for and what you lost in the garden. That's what he's talking about but they weren't just called to have intimacy with God. God didn't just say, hey, you're here, Adam and Eve, let's hang out, and, and, and this is what you're made for. He actually says, no, from this place of intimacy, go, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the entire earth. So he gives them a kingdom assignment. There's two things. There's the covenantal 
We were created for covenantal intimacy, relationship, prayer, knowing God, living water kind of stuff that we were made for that. But we weren't just made for that. We were also made for kingdom assignment. Kingdom assignment meaning being fruitful, multiplying, and subduing the earth. This is making disciples who make disciples. This is being a witness. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Mark chapter 16. Matthew chapter 28. You know, living out those things where we're going and we're being witnesses. We're ambassadors for the kingdom. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All these things. We're created for both. And you see it if you look back at John 4. Towards the end of the story, Jesus alludes to the living water. You know, he gives her this word of knowledge. She just goes crazy. She's like, you're a prophet. No, you're more than a prophet. You know, you must be the Messiah. And she runs back to town. And the disciples, they're, they're there. And they're like, hey, we brought you some food. Aren't you hungry? And he says this. He says, I have food that you don't know anything about. My food is to do, is to do the will of my father who sent me. John 4 gives a, a, a picture of the two basic necessities of life, water and food. Now, of course, you need air. You know, there's other necessities. Um, but let's just say the two things that you have to ingest uh, between like food and water, those are, those are two basic necessities. He brings them up both in John 4. The water represents our covenantal uh, relationship. We're created for intimacy, right? But so many people can stop with intimacy, relationship, and worship, and they miss out because they're not ever tasting of the food of doing the will of the Father. And there's a satisfaction that we can only access. There's, there's a joy that we can only taste of in the kingdom when we have both. And the sad reality is many people, they settle for one or the other. And if you settle just for doing the will of the Father, but there's no oil, there's no intimacy, there's no drinking of living water, you'll burn yourself out. You'll become bitter and angry and hate, hate what you're doing, hate your assignment, want to give up, want to you know, bail. And that's what happens to a lot of evangelists that aren't rooted in this, this uh, message of intimacy and prayer. And uh, one of the things that I think that God is doing is he's, he's taking both of these things, our need for covenantal communion but also our need for doing the will of the Father. And he's, he's bringing balance to the body of Christ within the intercessors, within the pastors, within the evangelists, within different leaders and, and even different groups of people uh, around the body of Christ. He's bringing balance. And here, here's what I see he's doing. Among the evangelists, you know what he's doing predominantly? He's saying, uh, I, I, I don't want you just on the streets. I need you to get in, in the secret place of prayer and drink of the living water because without the living water, you have nothing to offer on the streets. You need to slow down, buddy. You know, that's what he's been saying to me for years. Slow down, spend time in prayer, spend time in intimacy with me. Let me fill you with the oil of intimacy so that when you go, there's something that you actually have to offer a true substance. But on the flip side, and I'm, I, so our, one of our, um, uh, one of our primary uh, leaders within our ministry, our, our COO, is actually also the national director for the, the Harvest Apostolic Prayer Network. She's a part of Cindy Jacobs. Like she's, she's a key intercessor in America. Uh, but, but, but the reality is, like I've been, I've been talking with her in the past year, and I said this. I said, I feel like without all these apostolic prayer networks that exist around the world, that God is going to begin to release an awakening calling intercessors to begin to step into their missional calling as well because i think there's a there's a level of boredom that will settle in over intercessors 
when we're solely relying on drinking of the living water, but we're not tasting of the food of doing the will of the Father. Now, you know, here's what I will say. Intercessory prayer, in a sense, you're taking ground, okay? So I'm not, I'm not saying you're not, as, as an intercessor, doing a missional thing. But here's what I want to say, is I think to the evangelist, he's calling evangelists to slow down, to get oil, and, and to make sure that everything that's being done is rooted in intimacy. But I think he's also inviting the intercessors out of the closet. And the years of prayer, the years, the years of oil that, that you've gathered, the years of that intimacy, and he's saying, I want to put it in public. I want people to encounter the anointing on your life, no matter how many years it, it, it's been that you've been serving the Lord. Uh, you know, there's no one too old. There's no one too young to be used for the kingdom of God. And I just believe even with the coronavirus, guys, now is the time uh, for the gospel to go forth. And I want to share a testimony that just happened the other day. I was on the phone and uh, we, uh, I, I'd had some trouble with one of my devices. I hate getting on. Um, I absolutely hate calling uh, 1-800 numbers to get help. I don't know if you guys are like me. I hate it. I just, I hate it. I don't, I hate how they ask you 50 questions before they just let you talk to a person. I just want to talk to a person. Just let a person, you know, just, oh, I hate stuff like that. So finally, after a year of my device not working, I think it's literally been a year, at least six months. I finally give in. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to call this company and try to get it figured out. So I call them. And anyways, it takes me 20 minutes to get to a person. And finally, I'm talking to someone. And anyways, I spend 20 minutes with this person and absolutely nothing gets fixed over the phone. And I'm just like, great. I knew it. You know, I spent 40 minutes on the phone and you're telling me I have to go to the store to get it fixed. Awesome. Praise God. So I'm feeling irritated. I, I already hate phone calls like this. And, uh, and so they say, they say, um, they say, uh, thanks so much for calling. We appreciate your, you know, your, um, your business, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking like, yeah. And, and uh, I'm ready to get off this stupid phone call. You know, that's what I'm thinking. And the Holy spirit says, stop. And I was like, whoa. And he says, give her a word right now. And I said, I said, okay, I don't even know what to say. And immediately the Holy spirit just comes over me. And I said, excuse me, ma'am, before you get off the phone. And she says, okay. And I said, I feel like the Lord. And all of a sudden I get this crazy prophetic word for this woman talking about something very specific in her family so like i can't see this woman i don't even know her name and all of a sudden i'm just giving giving this this person on the other line uh this prophetic word and i stopped and i was like okay either she's gonna think i'm absolutely crazy or that was the lord and she's gonna get wrecked and so i'm like what's gonna happen and i wait and she goes she goes oh my goodness and i said what she said the tears, she was an African-American woman. She says, the tears won't stop flowing. They won't stop flowing. They won't stop flowing. And I said, excuse me? She said, the tears won't stop flowing. She's weeping uncontrollably on the other side of the line. And she says, the hair, just like the hair on my, my arm right now, just while I'm telling the story, I feel the presence of God. She says, the hair on my arm is standing up and it won't stop. And I said, excuse me? She said, I feel like someone is literally holding me. There's something holding me. There's someone giving me a hug. And I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. And she's losing it. And I, and I was like, whoa. So I go, I go over to another person in the office. I was like, you got to watch what's happening. And so he's there. And, and we're like, I'm, I just start ministering to her. And all of a sudden, I get the pain in the right side of my leg. And I said, excuse me, do you have a pain in the right side of your leg? She says, I got this pain. I can't walk. My leg doesn't work. And I said, we're going to pray right now. God just gave me a word of knowledge. That means he wants to heal you right now. And so I pray. And she stands up. And she's feeling better. 
And, uh, and anyway, she, she just says, I can't stop crying. I can't stop crying. And I said, what are you feeling? She says, I keep feeling like someone's literally putting their arms around me, holding me. And I'm like, that's the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I wasn't coaching her. This wasn't like some emotional trick. This was just literally what's going on. And she's telling me something's holding me. Something's holding me. And I said, that's the presence of God. That's, that's the Father. He loves you so much. And so finally, I got to talk to her. And she just, she, she, I'm telling you, this is a customer service person breaking all the rules of a customer service. She's weeping. And she starts to tell me everything that's going on in her life. She says she's been feeling suicidal. She's been feeling depressed. Everyone in her life has been coming to her for help. And she's been helping, 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 helping. But no one's there for her. And I said, well, well ma'am, this is God saying that he's there for you. And he knows what you're going through. And I just said, I said, listen, I said, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And she said, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I met with God. You know, I used to go to church. And, and so I began to share the gospel with her. And I said, would you be willing right now to surrender your life to Jesus Christ because he wants to change everything. She said, yeah. And so then at the end of the call, now it's been an hour and a half on the phone with this lady and I found out her name was Rose and Rose uh, is radically born again on the other side of the phone call. And this is a woman, she's a customer service person. And I asked her in the call, I asked her this, I said, has anyone ever prayed for you ever? She said, never. And you know what the thought that came to my head was how many Christians have talked to Rose on the phone? A hundred? Five hundred? A thousand? Five thousand? I don't know. Not a single Christian has ever ministered to her, told her Jesus loved her, prayed for her. Not a word. And that's something that Hal was saying. The church is in the closet. And whether you're an intercessor or you're an evangelist or a pastor, guys, we can all do this. What happened that day on the phone? was not me. I didn't feel like ministering to her. I wanted to hang up on her. I probably wanted to say some things that were not very Christian of me. Honestly, like you were to ask my flesh, you know, that's how I felt. But God, if we just obey Holy Spirit, if we're truly living in intimacy, you know, you know, guys, the Holy Spirit is the best evangelist. I'm not a great evangelist. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit knew everything about Rose the moment I got on the phone with her. I knew nothing about her. I didn't even know her name was Rose, but the Holy Spirit knew everything about her. If we live a life led by the Spirit, you know what happens? People get born again. People get saved. And here's what I'll say about that experience for me personally. That encounter refreshed me in a way that 10 hours in prayer could never refresh me. It's crazy. I'm telling you, and I spend, guys, at, just so you understand, as an evangelist, I spend one day every week, an entire day fasting and praying in a prayer room, sitting before the Lord. I committed myself several years ago to fast for one whole day. Don't take meetings. I don't take phone calls. I sit before the Lord. So I believe in fasting and prayer. But just to be honest, guys, there's a food of doing the will of the Father that's different than drinking the living water of intercession, prayer, and intimacy. Guys, we're created for both. And I just want to encourage you that he's, he, he's created us for both and, and to taste of that food. Maybe some of you, you haven't tasted of that in a while. And the point of this call right now is just to say, get some hunger for that and step out in faith and no, no pressure, no religion, no like do this because people are going to go to hell if you don't like that's true, but just do it out of love. Just do it by being led by the spirit. I think it flows so much better for me when I'm not doing it out of religious obligation 
but when I do it out of love. And the last thing I want to say, and uh, it's eight o'clock, but the last thing I want to say, it's, it's Shavuot. We're celebrating Pentecost right now. As, as we're having the call on the East Coast, the sun's going down. We're entering into the Feast of Weeks, the giving of the Torah, the giving of the Spirit. John 13, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love each other just like I loved you. That's completely impossible, guys. John 13, I think it's 34 or 24, 24 maybe. I don't even know. It's somewhere in there. John 13. It's impossible. We can't love each other like Jesus loves us. But it's actually, it actually is possible. John 14. Jesus said, it's better that I go. I'm going to send, my father's going to send the helper. And he'll, he'll remind you of everything. Matthew 28. Acts chapter one, just before he ascends, he says, wait, the promised Holy Spirit. Acts two, the festival of weeks, 50 days after the Passover. He was the Passover lamb. And at the same time that the Torah was given, the spirit of God is given. And here's what happens. Jeremiah 31, 31 is fulfilled. Jeremiah 31, 31 is the new covenant promise. New covenant promise said, I'll write my law on your hearts. I'll give you a new spirit, give you a new heart. And this weekend, guys, we celebrate the giving of the spirit. And with the Holy Spirit in our lives, the impossible becomes possible. And ultimately, I think the beautiful thing that I'm meditating on this Pentecost is this, is I, I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can love Jonathan Frizz the way Jesus has loved me. I can love how the way that Jesus has loved me. Now that's impossible in the flesh, but I believe by the Holy Spirit, I can love you the way that he loved me. And if we start loving, and I'm kind of speaking to the, the, those from America right now in the room because of what's going on right now with, with uh, racial division and the pain. And I just believe right now the Lord's heart is that we would fall radically in love with each other as a body of Christ. And we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to do that. And so I just want to say, I love you guys. I pray you're stirred up to minister to the next person you get on the phone with. And uh, Jonathan, thanks for, for allowing me to be a part of this. And I do want to tell you, Jonathan, my team has been a part of these 10 days, uh, my whole team. So we've been praying with you guys from 10 to 11, not on this phone call, but we've actually set apart along with this whole thing. Our team has actually just been gathering together a small group to do this because I believe in this, Jonathan. I think that this is powerful and I think we're stepping into a great harvest. I think the Hebrides revival won't even be able to compare uh, to what we're about to see. I think that the, the things we've seen in the past, we're gonna begin to see the presence and the glory of God visit nations, cities around the world, and people are gonna be convicted of sin and righteousness, and they're gonna fall in love with Jesus, and the harvest is just gonna start coming in, guys. And I believe it, we're on the cusp of a great awakening. And I think that this prayer movement is one of the keys to unlocking it. Um, just like with the Hebrides revival, it was praying elderly women in a house with a word from the Lord and the revival broke out. So it's coming in Jesus name.